What does it look like to have a sole focus of making sure your community is taken care of? It's a never-ending mission. Our guest today, Michelle Raynert, self-describes her career as falling into philanthropy. And we're glad she did. As the vice president for the Sparrow Foundation, Michelle not only keeps the health system healthy, but shows up every day for a larger purpose. I think it's time for us to get inspired. The Speakeasy Podcast, real talk about leadership and sanity in the creative industry. I'm Karen Steffel. And I'm Jen Estel. Managing creativity and business, we probably have an opinion on that. No prohibitions. Clearly, we have cocktails. This is a really interesting um, beverage. It's a rosemary bourbon cocktail. You make a rosemary honey syrup with honey, water, and rosemary, and then you blend that with some bourbon and some bitters and a rosemary sprig sprig and uh, an orange peel. It's really tasty. Now, Michelle, you said bourbon was one of your go-tos, so we hope you like this little twist. Sounds delightful. So let's get started. I'm so excited. Um, <laughs> I have so many questions for you, but start a little bit about telling us who you are and what what you've been doing. Oh my gosh, where you started. Who am I? Uh, let's see, who am I? Uh, that's a really broad question. Um, I, as noted, my name is Michelle Reinhart. I am the vice president um, for the foundation at Sparrow Health System. Incidentally, I also oversee our volunteer services division and our health and wellness area. Um, that's all sort of evolved in my time, my 13 years that I've been here at Sparrow. But um, prior to that, I had a lot of other not-for-profit experience, um, none of it planned, of course. I'm a mom, I'm a daughter, I'm a sister, um, I'm a friend, I'm all of those things as we women all are. So that's that's who I am. That's kind of cool. And I know we got to know each other back when you were in marketing and you sort of have migrated from the marketing space to the philanthropy space. How did that happen? Oh my goodness. Yes. So funny enough, I went to Michigan State University with the intention of um, having a double major in international relations and political economy with a minor in Spanish. What? And after my first year in the Madison School, I decided it was a little too much political theory for me. And I moved over to the Com Arts College and ended up graduating with a degree in actually advertising and public relations. So I ended up debating some career options and declined a job with BBDO in Chicago as a copywriter and took a job with Lansing Community College um, in their media, advertising, PR, marketing kind of realm. And uh, Figured I would spend my life in communications and marketing and all of those good things and uh, kind of just migrated from there. And uh, it's it's been a journey ever since. That is fascinating. Um, I'm sure, though, that you use those marketing and comms chops even on in your day-to-day, for sure. I what, what was it that had you... You know, you said you migrated across, but what had what called out to you in terms of the nonprofit world? Yeah, for sure. So I would work, was working at Lansing Community College, working for an amazing woman named Paula Cunningham, who many in, in this region at least know. Um, the woman, by the way, who taught me to never show up with a problem unless I had a solution on how to a suggested solution on how to solve it. Um, so always will give her credit for that one. But I had been there a couple of years, and there was an opportunity at United Way for communications director. And so I, I moved to that role and 
was was doing a lot of donor relations, campaign communications, a lot of writing, a lot of kind of marketing work. And I was still in touch with Terry Hickey, who's another great female leader in the, the not-for-profit world here in mid-Michigan. And we were having lunch to just catch up. And I was talking about what I was doing. Um, she and I had met, we were paired when I worked at Lansing Community College um, around the retirement of Abel Sykes, who was the president of LCC at that time. I was charged to help support her on his big fundraising scholarship gala and a lot of other events related to work that the that the LCC Foundation was doing at the time. So she and I had really gotten to be friends through that. And she and I were having lunch and I was telling her what I was doing at United Way. And she said, well, you're doing fundraising. And I said, no, no, I'm, I'm doing public relations and, and marketing and advertising and communications. And she said, you're doing fundraising. You're writing donor-facing materials. You are doing presentations to prospective donors. Welcome to fundraising. And it was that epiphany moment of I had not really ever set out to be in the not-for-profit arena. I had never set out to be in development work. Um, but um, as my career continued, I ended up moving to Grand Rapids to start a family. And I worked for Gilda's Club, where I had a hybrid role of communications and development work, because those two things often go together, right? Um, came back and worked for the Humane Society um, before I was recruited here to Sparrow. And so really the unique connector for me is... Um, that I've been blessed to work with organizations whose purpose I believe in and um, who have extraordinary causes, right, all along the way. And I think I was probably scarred early on in my career working for United Way because I got to really understand the depth and breadth of our not-for-profit not community, mm -hmm. right? And, and I could, in good faith, work for any single one of them because they're all doing amazing work that makes our community what it is every day. Yeah, absolutely. So deep down, you're a bleeding heart is what you're telling me. <laughs> you know, I'm a sucker for a good cause and a good story. It, it's it's got to have impact and it's got to have meaning. And I just think life's too short not to go home every day feeling really good about what you've helped to do, whatever that is. Right. I hear you. I hear you. And so tell us a little bit about your work at Sparrow and what what's on your plate right now. Yeah, definitely. You know, healthcare is really interesting and Sparrow is really interesting. I never, prior to coming here about 13 years ago, I never thought I'd be in healthcare, although my dad always wanted me to go into the health field. So I can't lie. When I got hired here, I called my father and I said, your dreams have come true. I work for a hospital. <laughs> now, it's not the way you wanted me to work for a hospital. He would prefer it I have been on the clinical side. But, uh, but I think he was proud nonetheless. And um it, it was a bit, you know, coming off the small nonprofit community where every dollar literally kept the lights on, right? Um, it, was, it was hard to look at the hospital and the healthcare system and see, you know, this big, huge organization with 9,000 people and really understand how valuable and how important philanthropy is to our, to our mission as a not-for-profit healthcare system for this community, right? And, um, so I had to, I really, I asked a lot of questions and it took them six months to recruit me because I just said, look, if for me to, to convey this need and this message to our community, I need to get it and I need to understand it. And, um, and, and gosh, now I do, I tell you our CFO, I don't want her job. You know, this is the numbers are huge, but they, they don't balance, they don't balance well. And particularly during COVID when the costs of care have just escalated in astronomical ways, right? 
Um, so, so it has been really remarkable over the years to, you know, be involved in helping create facilities that are healing environments for people like our neurosciences center, our cancer center, our Mary Freebed at Sparrow um, program, but to be involved in population health initiatives like our mobile health clinic that's increasing access to care and going out into communities where people may be a little distrustful of the traditional healthcare system or may just have barriers to, to seeking care, like transportation, right? Um, and, and our senior health series that's looking at, or our senior center that's looking at things like navigating the complexities of senior healthcare with Alzheimer's and dementia and other factors layered in, right? There's been so many unique and wonderful projects that I've had the privilege of working on for several different service lines here. Um, and then and then COVID, right? COVID hit and really changed a lot of things. But what did what it didn't change is what we're here to do, right? Which is care for a community every day, however, wherever, whenever they need us, illness, injury, diagnosis, treatment, and beyond. Every day. 125 years and counting. That's what Sparrow is. That's what it does. And that's what we keep doing every single day. Mm. I feel like you touched on some interesting things that I don't think everybody knows, or if they do, they sometimes take it for granted. You said Sparrow is a nonprofit. It, uh, you have 9,000 people, which is one of the largest employers in the region, but that's still a nonprofit. And you care for everybody, which means whether or not they have the ability to pay for their care, you are beholden to ensuring that you give them the very best care. And that's sort of where where your role, philanthropy, helps. And I wonder if your role as well helps the system to grow and keep doing what it needs to do. Yeah, I think it's a balanced ship, right? We're a health system, right? Which means we have a lot of things that people think of that would they would say, well, that's not a nonprofit, right? Like our our pharmacies or our medical supplies or our Michigan Athletic Club or PHP insurance. And, and they're absolutely right. Those are our for-profit entities and they help balance that ship of all of the things that lose money day over day. Because anyone who walks into any of our sites of care, whether they're uninsured or underinsured or, you know, can't pay copays, whatever it is, that's our community benefit piece, right? We are here. We don't discriminate based on your ability to pay for service. If you need treatment, we're going to treat you, period, right? And so it's, it's challenging when the things... You know, for example, during COVID, when the MAC was closed for months on end, right? Things that things that generally help keep the ship balanced were were not functioning as they were. Um, and when things like boxes of gloves are costing astronomically more than they used to, right? Um, that, that's that's all huge. And we saw our community. You know, when COVID first hit, we opened up a donation drop off center, and I I worked several shifts out there, and people were coming in you know, with, with boxes of gloves and face masks and wipes and things from businesses that were temporarily closed and, you know, and saying, you need it more than we do right now um, to care for this community. And I mean, I, it gave me goosebumps and I just was amazed at, at the generosity of our community to just say, it's, it's all I have, but take it. Right. And we'll figure it out. And it, it's extraordinarily overwhelming 
to be, to just know that, you know, when we talk about things like having the region's only level one trauma center where the worst of the worst, you know, could come and where the best of the best is assembled right when you need it, mm-hmm. right? We're here for everybody every day. But but when we get to be the ones taking care of a little bit and in the way our community rallied around us and 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 sent thank you notes to our nurses on frontline who who couldn't even go home to their families. I mean, that was it was so just nourishing in a way that, and I'm not a frontline caregiver and I felt it, right? So um, it's been just fantastic to feel like we've got a lot of support through this challenge. You know, you, you, we talk about all that the foundation does do, and you've talked a lot about um, kind of balancing that ship. What does the found, What are the misconceptions about what the foundation does? What do you not take care of? Oh my goodness. I don't know. It feels like we take care of a lot on a daily basis. I can't lie. I have the best team. Um, they work so hard and and we do get tasked to, to help do a lot of things around here. And, and that's wonderful because we get to understand the complexity of a large system, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I think there's some concern or there's some questions that we answer a lot. We don't we don't actually help pay patient bills, but we don't exist to do that, right? We don't actually do any outside funding. We are not, um, we're not the community foundation or we're not a, a corporate foundation that's giving grants outside of our organization. So every dollar we raise is kept within Sparrow. Um, it can be earmarked for, you know, a certain something like hospice or Sparrow Clinton Hospital or the RNICU, but it, it lives here and breathes here to help secure the equipment, the technology, the resources that we need every day to care for our community. Because we don't, you can't buy, you can't buy Sparrow stock, right? We're not paying dividends out. We're whatever we make, if we make anything, <laughs> and, and that's been a rough run lately, um, it's, it's put right back in. It's put right back into our people, right? Um, it's, it's crazy to think sometimes, but um, we are our own village, right? We have mm-hmm. everything from um, our environmental services group that is literally cleaning every surface of everything every day to our food service who's feeding not only our patients, but our caregivers um, and and our, our nurses who are amazing and our physicians who are phenomenal and all of the professional staff that, you know, my, me and my team get to give to them that, that make it work every single day. So I think one of the things that has always... Um that I've always been enamored with about Sparrow is that it truly is, even though it's large, 9,000 9, employees is no, is no small business, but um, it, the leadership is local. The decisions that are made are based right here in Lansing. There's, um, and the leadership lives here and they care about this community deeply. And so I really think that that says a lot and, you know, 125 years and counting, as you said. Yeah. It all started in a, in a in a little house by a group of women. <laughs> but it was 114 women who right who rolled up their sleeves and said, "We need a hospital for our community." And you know, they admittedly uh, raised the funds, and we 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 joke that EW Sparrow gave the land the hospital still sits on today, and you know, the funds to build the hospital. And of course, 114 founding women, and there's one guy's name in the building, right? But it's it shows truly what I feel is the power of women, right? The power of women to ask and to do, um, to care for, for our own. 
And to be frank, the, the Sparrow family is still involved in our organization today. And that's just what you talked about, right? It's a big organization, but it's family. And it's generations often of people who've served on one of our 19 boards or who've worked in, in, in our, our ranks, our hospitals. We have 115 sites of care. And, you know, we've got, we've got grandparents and parents and kids and grandkids, all of whom have served in different functions. I've got a board member who's just going off my board. Um, you know, his daughter had, had interned with us during high school. It, it is that safety net for communities care, but it's also that beautiful tapestry of life's stories of it, that intersect in really unique and wonderful ways. And, and you're right, it's everyone's local where people who work at Sparrow are your neighbors, right? We, you see us at the grocery store doing what you do every day. Um, but our governing board members, they don't get paid. They don't, it's not a pay for service board and the hours that they give are just amazing. We have, we have some of the best board members. I, I think I have the best board in the whole wide world. They're phenomenal. <laughs> well, of course you would say that, but I'm sure they are lovely, lovely folks. I, I find it interesting that you so quickly move from talking about services to giving and how integral giving is in the concept of Sparrow as an organization and, and the concept of what it is that you do. So talk to me a little bit about giving and what that means and how you convince people to give and what does it mean to be someone who gives? What are your yeah. thoughts there? You know, it's really interesting. I, I feel like that the, the most remarkable thing about what I get to do every single day is, is I don't actually have to ask that often for a gift, right? A lot of times we're talking with a donor who's so grateful for the care that they received, right? And they're saying, what can I do? How can I make this journey better for the next person? How can I you know, what do you need? How can I help level up the care that you guys are giving to our community every day? Because our family has been impacted in this remarkable way, right? And yes, there are times that people are busy and we we do remind them of the services we provide and of the needs that we have. And I think that's an equally wonderful opportunity when I can look at someone and say, tell me, you know, tell me what your Sparrow story is. If you had any experiences with Sparrow and then they start to tell me about, you know, their parents journey through hospice care and what that meant to their family or, you know, the months that their child spent in our NICU upon birth, that, that child who didn't, who they weren't sure would live or walk or talk is now, you know, some PhD, PhD student doing something remarkable, right? Um, there's, for every single one of their stories, there's millions more. And, the fact that Sparrow has played a small role in, in a person's life or a family's life story is, is powerful. And I think that is a catalyst for giving. And that's what helps ensure that we are a have hospital, right? We have what is needed in a moment of crisis. We have the most state of the science equipment and technology, and we have top of license providers and um, we have, you know, the additional resources like our Care for the Caregivers Fund, when our own caregivers encounter really challenging times and have a loss, that they're supported by their peers and can get some financial assistance 
during their moment of, of struggle, right? So it's it's very personal, but it can also be very high tech. And, and that's a really interesting road to travel. I think the most important thing to me is that when I talk to people or, or we we have the opportunity to connect with a donor who's thinking about a gift or who's made a gift already, to understand sort of what's what's behind that and where they're coming from. And I do think, funny enough, a lot of people have thought about it for a very long time, right? I've, I've been working with a family right now whose NICU experience started over 40 years ago. And wow. they were leaving the hospital and thinking, gosh, we're just so grateful. We really ought to do something. But, you know, they just didn't have the resources or the ability and fast forward. Now they do. And, you know, I toured them through the NICU and they, they laughed. They said, it looks the same. And they said, oh my gosh, it looks the same. Like it is not, it needs an upgrade. It, mm. And they said, yes, yes, it does. Right. It's, it's full and it's busy and it's complicated and, and they're going to help us renovate that space down the road. Right. It's wow. those donors who can help to lean in, in a really remarkable way that, that change things for the better but it also doesn't have to be an individual donor, right? It's often groups of individuals coming together, groups of family, groups of friends. It's it's children who, instead of a birthday party, bring toys to the children's center or or books to our inpatient oncology unit um, where, where folks stay for a longer length of time, right? It's people who are doing something that invests in someone else and that doesn't always have a lot of zeros attached to it, right? But whatever it is and however it comes together, it can be remarkable. It kind of takes all of that, though. It takes the $5 donor, it takes the $500,000 donor, and it takes the kid that brings the books. And it takes, um, you know, all those volunteers uh, who show up for people every day, too. So it, it really has to happen at all levels. And they're equally valuable. It does. And that's, that's really what we're trying to convey in our, in our new plan and project that is ahead. We are embarking on a substantial undertaking um, for every story. Their sparrow is really the overarching, you know, principle behind this idea that for our next 125 years of caring, it's, it's going to take all of us and it's going to take everybody telling their stories and coming together uh, and giving at however they're capable to ensure that we continue to have the best facilities, the best programs, resources, and all of those wraparound pieces of care that that make our community what it is and make Sparrow what it is um, for people every single day. So it's an exciting look to the future. It's no small task what we have ahead of us, but um, but it's that that next page of of the Sparrow Foundation's story. And, and we're going, and I'm, I'm just so grateful to be a part of that. I find it so interesting when you talk about that too, thinking about what is next and what, how you would anticipate what you need for the next 125 years, let alone the next 10. No one saw COVID coming. No one probably had a playbook for doing a drive-through testing center in a former car repair shop, but but you folks figured it out. Nobody knew that you'd have to be 
sterilizing your own PPE or making your own test materials at your lab. So somehow your organization, Sparrow Health System, figured that kind of thing out on the fly under duress to help our community. And we just don't know what's coming next. So you have to be prepared. We do. And I think that's the the other remarkable thing about our Sparrow family, right? And to be fair, none of the initiatives that were launched, um, you know, solely came out of our C-suite, right? Our senior leadership team does a lot of remarkable things, but but these weren't things that that came out of a boardroom. These were things that came out of many skilled, wise, experienced, and talented people at every level within our organization, literally talking every day about how to solve problems and looking across the country and across the globe and saying, how do we do it better? How do we do it differently? And how do we rally the resources to make it happen? And, and it has been amazing, but you're right. It has shaped us. We've known for a long time we, and we've been inching towards all private patient rooms. Um, and in our next phase of, of development and construction, we're going to get there. Right. And certainly the experiences taken from COVID um, only drove home, you know, the need for private patient rooms and the need for things like negative airflow and ISO and better segmenting out on certain things. And, you know, the lessons from COVID will live with us for a long time as they should, right? History teaches us lessons over, over life. And um, it doesn't change our true north, which is always the patient at the center of everything we do. Um, it just means that sometimes we have to look at that a little bit differently. So are you ready to uh, support all that and make these things a reality? I am because you know what, at the end of the day, I, I want Sparrow to be what I need it to be, right? Which is a place where I can take my own family for care. No one ever expects to need the hospital, right? Short of, short of the, some of the predictable things, right? When you, when you plan to have a baby, you know, there's generally a time frame at which you're likely going to come to the hospital to deliver that child. If you're choosing to have a knee replaced or a hip replaced or something like that, there's, there's that predictable nature of care. And then there's the unpredictable where you get sick or injured in something. And then there's the unfathomable, right? And that's the stuff nobody likes to talk about or think about or the things that when you read it on the front page of the paper, you hear it on the news, you know, your first thought is to call your loved ones and make sure it wasn't them, right? Or, or um, to send up a little prayer for, for whose family just got some awful, awful news. Um, but it's just so so exciting and so interesting and so wonderful to me that that Sparrow is always looking to the future, always looking to level up that care we provide and make that experience the best that it can be when you least expect to need it. I could talk to you all day about this stuff. <laughs> I could do. I, I could talk about it all day and there's so many <laughs> things we could talk about. You know, when we were when we were planning for this episode, you said something that really struck me. You said, if you started your your year asking what you wanted to support, what would that look like? And I, I found that idea of giving with intention to be really interesting. So can you just talk a little bit about your own personal approach to giving and philanthropy and volunteerism? Another little bit you said is, I think, time, talent, and treasure. Hmm. And so talk to us a little bit about your personal outlook on, on these things. I'd love to. And there's another, gosh, that's maybe a whole another episode to talk about volunteerism and community service and what that looks like and feels like. But 
I do think philanthropy sometimes, and, and I'll own up to it myself, right? It is not as intentional or as purposeful as, as it could be. Um, if you really sat down and had that conversation with your spouse, with your parents, with your children, and looked at, you know, what are the things that you believe in that that you fiercely want to support, that you have supported, and talk about why. You know, I think it's it's interesting to me to to peel that onion on, you know, organizations in town, for example. You know, the, whether it's the, the symphony because you were in the band growing up, or or if it's you know Ellie's place because you lost a parent too soon when you were younger, and there's a lot of remarkable organizations um, in this town that do extraordinary service. And when you really start to think about why why they're here and what they do and what your experience with that organization has been and how you can make a difference and, it, you know, should you, could you, would you, right? Those are all amazing things. Um, and I think trying to understand that these aren't gifts that come with, you know, hugely powerful, shiny benefits and, you know, I, you know, I, I joke, it's a jewel in your crown kind of moment, right? You're not going to get, you know, a, a, a fabulous swag bag and, you know, a, you know, some backstage pass to some remarkable concert. I don't know. It's, it's, this is, this is philanthropy, right? You give because you believe you make a difference, not because you're going to get something necessarily in return. Um, other than that feeling that you're helping to, to shape something fantastic for the future. Um, but I think leaning into that conversation, talk to your friends. You know, I think that's always a fantastic conversation when, when you're with a group of girlfriends drinking a glass of wine and somebody speaks up and says, Hey, you know, I got to tell you about this great nonprofit I just learned about, or I want to talk to you about this great campaign or this project that, that I just gave to, and you guys, you got to hear what they're doing. It's amazing. Right. That's, that's where conversation becomes a catalyst for, for greater good. So this, as you know, as you're starting at the new year or, you know, encountering different gatherings of family over holidays or whatever it might be, think about, you know, asking what the greatest gift they gave this past year was, um, not the greatest gift they got. I love that idea. And in fact, Michelle, you've inspired me because um, I don't talk about, you know, our, my husband and I is, we, we don't talk about our gifts, but there's an intentionality to maybe earmark some money so my kids could get involved too and decide who they want to support and and learning more about the community and understanding where where gifts could make a difference. And so you've inspired me. I'm going to we will earmark some money so that every month my kids can get involved in figuring out um where in the community they want to support. Fast. They're they're little budding philanthropists and they're very astute to, you know, what 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 really resonates with them and what's meaningful for them at different times. So I've learned a lot from from watching and listening to my kids over the years for sure. Yeah, thank you. So all right, this is so interesting to me. Again, we could we could have we could have two or three more episodes talking about some of the t topics you've brought up today, particularly I think the selflessness and the thinking through if I need it someone else might need it too. 
And I think it just builds a really healthy culture to have those conversations, you know, with pe- with people in your life. But I want you really quickly to give us one more pitch for um, how could somebody help you? How could somebody find you? How could somebody support the health system? And what do we expect to see over the next year or so? Well, we would love for folks to reach out to us if they've got questions or want to learn more about all of the different things that we're doing. As noted, we are a um, a larger organization, so there's a lot of ways to connect with us, but sparrow.org um, is our website. And from there, you can navigate to learning more about the foundation, about becoming a volunteer through volunteer services. You can learn more about our community health and wellness offerings. There are a lot of different uh, ways to kind of travel the path there. Also invite people to visit us on our social media sites. Our Sparrow Health System has your traditional Sparrow Sparrow, um, social media sites and pages, as does the Sparrow Foundation. So I encourage people to look us up, give us a call, 517-364-3620. I feel like most people don't often pick up the phone and call anymore, but we'd love to chat. You can email foundation at sparrow.org. And if even if it's not a foundation-related question, we'll help direct it appropriately. Um, but definitely always look to connect to the community um, and lend a hand where we can. Thank you for making a difference for our community, Michelle. It's a pleasure every day. Thank you. And there we are. And there we are. Well, that was super fun. Passion projects, growth moments, and stretch goals. All of these are really important when it comes to remaining engaged in your day-to-day. And not just us personally, but the teams we lead as well. That's why we're going to dive into Buyer's Remorse, a short film Karen and her team at Render Studios developed, which is now making its way through the festival circuit. I want to hear all about it, from why they tackled a short to the benefits that they are seeing today. Join us next time.